Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of April 29th through May 5th. I'm your host Colin McIsaac and as always I'm joined by Alex Plant. The best 3D platformer you've ever played. And Ben Moreau. Soon to be an amiibo. So this week was actually pretty light on Nintendo news, um, so welcome to the most laid-back episode yet. Uh, we're still going to fill you in on, you know, what went down over the course of the week, and then after the break, we are going to talk about our favorite Nintendo characters. It's just casual this week, so none of us are wearing pants. Well, I never wear pants when we record anyway, but... <laughs> does this make us filthy casuals? Yes, it oh does. Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh... Well, let's start off the week with uh, the biggest news, I'm sure. Platonic Games, the indie team made up of former Rare developers, officially unveiled Ukulele. That's the new title of the game, uh, the spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. And it's officially coming to all consoles, including Wii U. Woo! Uh, no 3DS. <clears throat> so, but they released gameplay footage, they showed off the characters, uh, the enemies. There's quite a bit of development progress in just three months. So we've got some levels, we saw some collectibles, some of the moves that they can use, uh, like... Uh, Lately, the bat can like get on top of Yuka, the chameleon, and like roll around. And uh, obviously, Lately can like flap her wings and make Yuka do a double jump and stuff. There's a lot of moves similar to Banjo Kazooie, uh, and all the heart and soul of it was in the original Banjo Kazooie is just clearly there in Ukulele. The game's Kickstarter launched on May first. It was, and they were only seeking 175 thousand pounds, and that goal was euros. Oh. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, I'm just an idiot. Um, <laughs> but they they met that goal in uh, 38 minutes, and they continued smashing every stretch goal. They made a million dollars in, I believe, their first day. They they were there within sh- 20 hours. Within 20 hours, they made a million. Yep. That is insane. It's the record for the uh, shortest amount of time for a video game to uh, get one million in funding on Kickstarter and. Uh, they're just oh wait actually i'm wrong about that it was it was a million dollars in six hours it was a oh million my God. euros a million euros was the within 24 hours are you serious yeah that is absolutely insane oh that's amazing um but yeah they they reached every stretch goal in 24 hours they even added more stretch goals after that because they just (laughs) they ran out of stretch goals right um and it was clear you know money was just gonna keep pouring and pouring in um they added the next stretch goal they have to meet, and by the time you're listening, they may have met this, is um, an orchestral soundtrack. So the the tunes that Grant Kirkhope and David Wise write will be performed by a live recorded orchestra, which to me is just music to my ears. Pun not intended, and I hate myself for saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but this podcast is all about puns. Mm-hmm, it is. It's a pun cast. true. That... Get out. No, no, it's not. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so they, Grant Kirkhope and David Wise, they each uh, released a demo of a track that they're working on for the soundtrack. They're amazing. I could have sworn that Grant Kirkhope's was straight from Banjo-Kazooie, and I could have sworn that David Wise's was straight from Tropical Freeze. So Yeah, it's funny. I, I had the same feeling. I felt like they almost sampled a little bit, but, uh, you know, and then I listened more closely, and no, no, that's original. I know, yeah, both of those composers have such unique styles and such, well, such discernible styles, but also they're just so, so good at keeping yeah. those styles consistent throughout their work. It's amazing to me. Yeah. Um, and those songs are just such good songs already. I've listened to them each like 10 times. <laughs> and that's kind of like a big part of keeping that nostalgia vibe going is having music that just instantly brings you back to your childhood. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's actually, there's also already a cover of uh, Grant Kirkhope's song from the Kickstarter. Um, that's actually, that's by uh, two YouTubers, uh, Swiggles1987 and Thunderscott. That'll be our break music for this week's show. So you can look forward to that and go check them out if you want. Uh, so Platonic Games also explains why they chose the name Ukulele for these these characters. Uh, and it's it's actually, it's a lot more than you'd think. You know, ukulele obviously sounds like a ukulele. But actually, yuka is the Hawaiian word for like, I think it was like stupid. Like a, a small-brained person actually is what it means. And uh, yuka, and lele is to fly or to get off of a vehicle. Um, and they said that's definitely not a coincidence. So that's just a... Interesting little clever thing they did with the names there. So what do you guys what do you guys think of this? I mean, this is obviously a big a big revival for the spirit that brought Banjo Kazooie, and uh, it's the first three D platformer that we've really seen uh, popular since like the late nineties, early two thousands. First, first new one anyway. Um, yeah, uh, well, I think what's most encouraging right now, and the thing that we've seen the most of so far from the footage, is just the move sets for the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the animations are are very good. Uh, it definitely exudes, like you said, Banjo-Kazooie, uh, with most of the movesets being sort of adaptations of moves yeah. from Banjo-Kazooie. A lot of them I felt like were almost directly ripped from Banjo-Kazooie, which is yeah, by no means a bad in, thing. The double jump in particular was obviously a, a rip. Uh, and then you, you had you had mentioned the move where where they're rolling around, and that seems like the, uh, the move where you're walking around on Kazooie's uh, haunches. Mm-hmm. So that that and and that's encouraging for me because uh, one of the problems that I've had with uh, other three D platformers that I've played in recent years is that, well, I shouldn't say three D platformers, platformers in general that I've played in recent years is that the move sets just never feel quite like the platformers that I was used to mm-hmm. from uh, the golden age, and and to see this borrowing so closely and so well from Banjo Kazooie is really encouraging. Yeah, what they've shown off so far, it doesn't really show a ton of uh, gameplay. The, the area they showed off, which was beautiful and looks way better than you would expect um, a demo to look after just three months of working on the game. But they said the focus of it was just to get the character movements down right, get you know get the moves and just the, the controls down right. So they designed that first area, they said, to be sort of just like a playground to show off what the characters can do. Which sounds... So, oh, go ahead. Um, I just kind of lost it now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say that sounds a lot like uh, Miyamoto's development philosophy behind mm-hmm. Mario 64, which was, you know, the birth of the 3D platformer, where he right. originally designed outside the castle walls that whole area um, to be Mario's playground to use all of his crazy combat and movement techniques around. And uh, then they built the game after that. And so that... Like, they're going back not only to Banjo-Kazooie's heart, but to the roots of what 3D platformers are and how the good ones are developed. So, we haven't seen much of the core gameplay yet, but you can kind of guess what it's going to be, because, you know, it's a a Banjo-Kazooie spiritual successor, it's a 3D platformer, there's going to be a lot of collectibles. But one thing I found interesting that they specifically addressed on their Kickstarter page is they have the same uh, level designer from Donkey Kong 64 working on the team, and they wrote on their Kickstarter page, we've given him a stern word or something along those lines <laughs> about having collectibles that are just there to be collected. So something <laughs> that they're promising is that everything you collect in the game will actually serve a purpose and, you know, will contribute to gameplay other than just collect thing. So right, right. that's very encouraging for me to know that this isn't just going to be a collectathon. Hopefully everything you collect really feels rewarding. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
on my end, one thing that I'm going to be watching closely is what, what what we've seen from at least this demo area, and it's just a demo area, so we don't know how indicative it's going to be of the final content of the game. But there's a lot of uh, environmental detail, which isn't a bad thing per se, but when you look at historical 3D platformers, they've tended to be relatively light on that kind of detail. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie didn't have, and this this was, has a lot to do with the limitations of the hardware, but Banjo-Kazooie, for example, didn't have a lot of uh, just eye candy sorts of like set pieces everything just hanging everything's around. right everything in old 3d platformers was very functional so i'm hoping there and we'll have to wa- wait and see but i'm hoping that they'll be able to strike a good balance between having stuff that looks good and looks pretty and looks full and having that sort of focus on function that classic 3d platformers had mm-hmm. so what do you guys think about the fact that the logo is basically just Banjo, I noticed that, and I was just like, "They they're really putting their tongues in their cheeks." There, <laughs> it it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, really. I mean that that was a, a stamp that was even carried over from Donkey Kong to Banjo in the first place. Um, a bunch of the, NES games, font? for example, that sort of style. Uh, what do you mean? With the the sort of the yellow goldish outline around the letters. oh i see i see no i just uh, i meant like the font itself but it, yeah the, it's the just font like a and the colors that they've chosen the and Banjo the, Kazooie, the dash yeah. in the logo and yeah all the, and all that yeah yeah which i mean i kind of think like it, it makes me feel like ukulele is if banjo kazooie had ended up doing what like fire emblem and final fantasy and stuff do where it's like the same game same mechanics and stuff it's like really an actual sequel but it just stars different characters and that that to me, I actually think makes it uh, a lot more honest. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that they're trying to emulate really uh, Banjo Kazooie. Well, I wouldn't say either because you look back at the history of uh, like a bunch of NES games, for example. Uh, Kid Icarus was built off the Metroid engine. Um, you had uh, Swimming in Mario was like built off of Balloon Fight. So there's been a lot of like taking pieces from from games and and bringing a new ip uh on top of those right right but this is this is i feel like so insanely similar to what banjo kazooie was it feels i mean it feels much more like a sequel than nuts and bolts did at least from you know what we've seen in the demo of three months of footage but yeah um, well and that was sort of their self-stated goal was to fill that void that was left by no more banjo games right the only thing I'd say about ukulele that I'm not that I'm honestly kind of not super stoked about is actually the character designs. Um, I mean, they're good, but they're not quite. They don't have any like memorable clothes or honestly really yeah. memorable features. Um, I'm glad that... you brought it up first, actually, because that was my first reaction when I saw. Yeah, the I'm, I'm like, where's why does no one have like a belt or something? Because, you know, right. all, all the most memorable... Belts like, animal are more character... important than gameplay. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, all the most memorable, like, animal characters, um, including, and especially, actually, from the people from Rareware back in the day, have, like, these memorable pieces of clothes, like Donkey Kong tie, Diddy Kong's hat, um, Banjo's pants. Um, and they're just completely missing here. And, I mean, it's not... It's obviously... It's just a nitpick, but I feel like it, it makes the characters stand out a lot less to me. Well, it's it's not humanizing the characters in the way that like Banjo Kazooie or Donkey Kong did, right. which makes them maybe a little bit less relatable. Right, and that's not to that's not to rip on ukulele at all. I'm just saying it's. Uh, I'm surprised that they that their designs stop there because they are a little. They're not off putting, but they're less um, 
inviting than I would have expected from this team. And I, I would honestly say less Nintendo than I would have expected. Yeah. Uh, given that Banjo was oh, a very absolutely. Nintendo-esque game. This feels more like a PlayStation-type or Sonic-type game. Yeah. And I said this when it was first announced. I said the artwork looks more like Sonic than it does mm-hmm. Banjo. And I think that holds true from what, what we've seen of the characters, too. Yeah. In the sequel, they're going to have ginormous muscles and long legs. <laughs> <laughs> And a uh, multimedia tie-in franchise. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. the Sonic Boom cartoon is actually pretty good. I, yeah, I've never I... seen it, but like that's what I hear on the internet. It's like it's surprisingly high quality. And if you hear it on the internet, it's absolutely true. <laughs> Gotta be true. Well, anyway, um, let's move on. Activision hasn't announced any plans to release Black Ops Three on Wii U yet, but uh, as we discussed a few weeks ago, the Call of Duty website lets you link your Nintendo Network ID to your Call of Duty account. So uh, someone actually asked Activision about this, and the support team replied, quote, stay tuned for more Wii U releases. The website currently only lists PS4, Xbox One, and PC as launch platforms for Black Ops 3, but it also says that actual, that actual launch platforms are yet to be determined. Um, so it's, it's still possible that Black Ops 3 could come to Wii U, but, uh, quote, more Wii U releases... That could just be referring to other Activision-published games like Skylanders. So games. assuming this doesn't wind up coming to PS3 and Xbox 360, which seems to be the case for now, but you know they they have a history of not playing their hand as far as all the platforms that their Call of Duty mm-hmm. games are coming to. But assuming that's the case, this would be one of the first games, if not the first game, that is coming only to the now current-gen platforms and also Wii U. Whereas before, it seemed like that was reserved only for games that were cross-gen or PS3, Xbox mm-hmm. 360 only. So that would be interesting uh, if it if it does, in fact, come to Wii U. Yeah. I'm just wondering how much they would uh, have to scale back on the graphics because it, I mean, the, the little footage we've seen so far has looked pretty impressive, and I can't imagine it could run anywhere near that pretty on a Wii U. Well, it'd be funny if it turned into one of those cases where it was like the Call of Duty games on Wii last gen, where uh, yeah, where it's it's just. Com- I don't think it'll look completely behind that. I mean, it that won't be that bad, but no, you know, obviously not that bad. But I I was talking about like by comparison, you know, Wii to PS3 Call of Duty and Wii U to PS4 Call of Duty. I feel like won't be as big a jump. Certainly, the only reason I can see this this game coming to Wii U is when you know like Advanced Warfare skipped it. It's just because you know they released the first two Black Ops games on it, and there's almost right. To an extent, a separate like Black Ops audience from like the core Call of Duty audience. So maybe they think there's enough support for specifically the Black Ops subseries on Wii U, but I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. No. I. I mean, I think stay tuned for more Wii U releases sounds intentionally vague enough that they're not talking about Call of Duty. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine any possible reason that they would let you link your Nintendo Network ID. So I don't know. So uh, Nintendo issued a statement on Facebook to apologize for amiibo shortages. Uh, I believe it was Nintendo America's first actual apology. And uh, they announced that they plan to restock some figures and do a better job at keeping consumers informed about where and when amiibo will be available. You know, whether or not consumers are informed, shortages and retailer exclusives make a lot of amiibo almost impossible to find. And given their history uh, with, with this... I'm kind of not sure that we should believe them. Yeah, it's it's comical that one of their their statements is that they're going to try to keep consumers better informed when one of the problems with the whole Amiibo debacle is it's been so confusing trying to get information out of them about mm-hmm. Amiibo. Yeah. And I don't and if that was the case before, I don't see why it would change uh just because they have some kind of internal initiative. Well, I think something that they may do 
this is just complete speculation, but something that they could do that would make informing consumers significantly easier was actually having a street date for for their waves of Amiibo because yeah. the, the re- they're releasing basically May and then wave five is June. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. So, I mean, if they actually said, look, these Amiibo are going to release on May 29th, these Amiibo are going to release on June 15th. That would actually, that alone would do a lot in helping people understand when to go to the stores, when to look for pre-orders, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Or they could um, just hold a Nintendo Direct for it. <laughs> ah, that's, that's too much to hope for. Uh, that solves all advertising problems. You know what they could oh. do? <laughs> what could they do, Colin? Make enough. Whoa. <laughs> fighting words. Let's not live in a fantasy world. <laughs> or, you know enforce the policy that people shouldn't just buy all of them up on retailers well i don't know what leverage yeah they have i don't do know that. that they actually can enforce any of that but you know what i really don't understand is why they don't sell them on nintendo.com yeah they have warehouses full of them if the issue they mentioned before like the issue with amiibo stock is um, they're underestimating demand or misestimating it or whatever whatever fancy way they were well, and one of their other excuses was there's so many middlemen that it's hard for them to gauge demand. right it's the re- right retailers I, fault. exactly that was that was my next point actually take responsibility to sell them on the website and even if they don't have enough amiibo if they're looking at the orders on their website, they know how many are in demand and they can make that many. Yeah. It would solve everything. I yeah. don't see why they don't just do that. Please understand. <laughs> well, uh, maybe maybe Iwata will address this in his investor. Maybe, brief. hopefully. But it's just, probably not. It's one of those things that, you know, like it's it's just it's something that would be so simple and solve so many things well, and this is basic supply chain stuff like come on like it's, it's, how how they're that at least they've had down for their other product lines why can't they but we've harped on this a million times yeah and we'll probably continue to harp on it every time amiibo come up so <laughs> so our last story uh this week uh, before we get into the lightning round um is there is a splatoon nintendo direct coming up on may 7th so that's actually when you're listening to this that'll be tomorrow it's at 7 a.m uh pacific time 10 a.m. Eastern time. If you live anywhere else, uh, you can just, you know, do the conversion. So we don't really know exactly what's going to be shown off. So I thought this would be I'm guessing Splatoon. Get out of here, Ben. (laughs) Um, No, I'm... So I thought this would be a fun time to just sort of talk about, you know, some things that we hope they reveal, maybe that we think they might reveal for Splatoon. Uh, Realistically... And this is not a hope. This is just a guess. They'll, they'll, they might even announce Splatoon DLC. Yeah. Uh, and I say that because Nintendo has been very DLC happy lately, uh, especially if when you look at that last Nintendo Direct, where pretty much that was all basically of their a concrete DLC announcements direct. were DLC related. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I'm sure they probably will talk a little bit about DLC. Um, I feel like they're probably going to focus it mostly on the main game because, you know, they want to build up hype for it to launch. What I kind of am expecting them to announce is like the full, like a fuller range of amiibo support than we've seen so far, uh, where they'll actually work with like you know characters from the Smash Bros. series and the Mario series. Yeah, get yourself like a exactly. weapon skin or a, yeah. or a costume or something. Yeah, I don't know exactly what they'll do. I'm sure flood. Yes, that's what. Yeah. I think we actually talked yeah. about this in this pod, but that is what I was getting at before. 
uh, with that is, is I really want them to say like, Hey, if you have the Mario Amiibo, just scan it on your gamepad and you'll unlock flood and like a Delfino Plaza stage. It, it almost amazes me that Splatoon was not just some kind of Mario Sunshine sequel where like Mario has to clean up the goop or something like that. So you have a team of floods and a team of inklings, I guess. I'm glad it wasn't. I feel like the gameplay is just so radically different. I I think that's that's probably why they, in fact, I believe they've said that's why I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe I should say I'm glad that they didn't do that because I think in one of the earlier interviews, they said something about, you know, yeah, they, they well, they were originally putting Mario in it. Right, it was originally they were thinking of having it be a Mario game, and uh, they ultimately decided against that. I'm sure for good reasons, and it looks like it turned out for the better. So, I think they said some of the younger developers kind of had to argue with Miyamoto on that point to get him Actually, to yeah, agree to have original characters. Yeah, no, I, I believe Miyamoto was really because Miyamoto said initially he didn't think that Splatoon was at all an interesting game. He, he <laughs> I believe his words were, "Who's gonna want to play this?" <laughs> and so i uh, don't don't quote me on that um uh, i didn't do I my think, research I think for, you're right for that quip uh getting back to your point on amiibo though i think if they're not gonna do some kind of broad multi-franchise thing it would still be appropriate uh this is also a follow-on to my mario comment it would still be appropriate to have strong amiibo support for the mario series of amiibo out the gate uh just because those are recently launched there's no supply issues mm-hmm. um <laughs> And fits sort of thematic. The urban theme of, of Splatoon fits thematically with this sort of Brooklyn, New Yorky thing going on with the Mario Brothers. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't think they live in Brooklyn. I think they live in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> They're from Brooklyn. Okay, it's, it's canon. Keep keep telling yourself that, Alex. In the meantime, I think that uh, the urban vibe goes a lot better with Jet Set Radio. Yeah, but but Sega's not making any. I know, more I know. Games. I don't think I was going to tie that to anything. I just you just felt like mentioning. Jet yeah, Set I, Radio. I just felt like mentioning. That's what it reminds me of. I definitely agree with you on the Super Mario series thing, and at least uh, I think they should have um, like stages or equipment, not necessarily weapons, but like costume. Uh, stuff based on Nintendo characters. I think we talked about this in the podcast before, but like Donkey Kong's tie would be cool, and like like Peach's crown maybe, or a Yoshi hat. Um, stuff that that sort of represents these characters that you'd have amiibo for. But you know, you know, like like Ness for example, they could just give people a Ness shirt and like a baseball cap. And yeah. I was thinking a baseball bat. Yeah, that could be cool. Hey, you shoot me with pain, I hit you with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like for weapon skins, like maybe Diddy's peanut pop gun as yeah. a layer over That'd the uh, cool. existing guns or something like that yeah i mean there's a lot of cool stuff they could do so well that we're on to the lightning round so uh this week we're not going to do a traditional lightning round we're just going to kind of uh go through some of the topics and uh just talk about them a little bit um because we have some time to kill so uh the retailer game in the uk is giving out beanies based on inkling hats they've got like the little tentacles dropping down uh they're giving those away if you pre-order splatoon uh, I will say one of the things that makes me the most sad about Splatoon probably not being like some kind of multi-million bestseller is that it has tons of potential for really cool and interesting merchandise, and it seems like all that stuff's going to be locked down to trade I shows know. and pre-order bonuses. I completely feel you. I don't. I empathize. I don't sympathize. Only because 
that's what I've been dealing with with Pikmin for ten years now. So <laughs> I've, uh, I've I've gotten over my. Well, I think there's more potential for Splatoon. Oh, we could argue that all day, sir. Let's not make this a whole new episode. Simply because <laughs> of the fashion element in the actual game. Ah, uh, oh, that's true. Pikmin, Pikmin doesn't have that. That's uh, true. I well, mean, you, you don't you dress have up a... like a purple Pikmin. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you could have Pikmin hats, and that'd be great. But uh, yeah, missed opportunities, Nintendo. So Yacht Club was uh, asked about, uh, you know, they have the Battletoads DLC for Xbox, and they have the Kratos. Actually, it's not DLC; it's just exclusive content on the launch games. But they have uh, that exclusive content for the other two consoles. And uh, someone asked them about, you know, if they'll do DLC for the Wii U version and the 3DS version. And one of the developers actually said he would love to see Tingle as as uh, Nintendo's exclusive wandering hero that Shovel Knight gets to gets to fight. And I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, I, I kind of I think he shouldn't be a character that you fight per se. I think he should be a character that charges you lots of money for maps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think what would be cool is to see Tingle like in you know one of those two like merchant towns that that you can go to on your quest, um, and just see him. You know, standing around and talk to him, maybe. Maybe he'd sell you a couple stuff, a couple things. A couple um, stuff. A couple stuff. <laughs> uh, but as for a wandering hero that you fight, the obvious choice is Meta Knight. Yeah. Or Mega Man, which I think I've said before. Yeah, actually, we talked about this on this. This is this is our <laughs> this is our rerun episode. We're already getting nostalgic. <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those clip shows where they or they keep. They yeah, keep they, doing they're flashbacks. just like, hey, remember this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the limited edition Silver Mario Amiibo is uh, information about that being real is trickling out slowly and slowly. And a lot of major retailers have the launch date set as May 29th. So yeah, just keep a lookout for that. Which is the same day that Splatoon releases. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think also Jigglypuff and Greninja. I actually hope he's not called Silver Mario and hope he's called Metal Mario instead. I know, that would be such a missed up. Because why is he not called Metal Mario? <laughs> yeah, Gold Mario at least already exists. Silver yeah. Mario they would just be making up. Yeah. But the, the leaked box information that we saw like ages ago definitely said like Mario Silver Edition. Sad times, Nintendo. Yeah. Can't even get your own references right. So the Video Game Hall of Fame has chosen uh, its finalists for inductees, and Zelda, Super Mario Bros., and Pokemon are all finalists. So you can go ahead and vote on those, or uh, I don't know if you guys have any particular thoughts. I kind of feel like, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. looking at the other contenders, uh, those are definitely the ones that would be my picks. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I know we, you and I share a love for Pikmin, and but... <laughs> But I don't think it's. I don't think it's. it's, I don't think it's Pikmin's time. Enough. Yeah. Capcom announced a mobile Monster Hunter game called Monster Hunter Explore. Full disclosure: I have not seen that yet. Uh. Uh, yeah, neither have I. There's there's not much gameplay footage, but apparently it's actually a sequel to. There's already a Monster Hunter mobile game in Japan. Okay. But unlike the first one, this one will actually have a story instead of just being like you know battling monsters and stuff. I see. Okay. And there's a four player co-op as well. Okay, cool. Also, for Monster Hunter, Maze Free Monster Hunter DLC is launched, and you can get gear from Mega Man, Street Fighter, and Metroid. It looks super cool. I'm willing to bet that a lot of you listening have already seen that picture of the those costumes somewhere on the internet. Um, but yeah, if you haven't, be sure to check it out. They look awesome. They're really doing a great job with DLC for this game. Well, I mean, that's what happens with exclusives, I feel, is the exclusives tend to have more love put into their DLC because they know their audience. Well, yeah, but this is Capcom. 
This is Capcom giving free DLC every month. What happened to them? It's Nintendo-themed DLC. <laughs> That's just my thought. I mean... I, I don't if, get what you're getting at. There. I don't think Nintendo is going to let them have some ridiculous oh, monetization scheme just I to see. get their characters into someone else's game. Uh, they're, they're perfectly happy to do it for their own games, obviously. But uh, <laughs> Cough, cough, fire emblem. <laughs> so some of you may uh, be interested in the scales from Xenoblade Chronicles X. Uh, they are actually making model kits so you can build your own scales like in real life. Um, obviously they're they are not, not 14 to feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, they're, they're little, little models. So it's cool if you like that. Nintendo is holding a Splatoon fan art contest on Tumblr. So if you like Tumblr and you love Splatoon and you're a fan artist, go ahead and go ahead and join. And if not, you can always check it out if you, you like seeing some fan art stuffs. <laughs> so did you guys see the, um, the WarioWare DIY micro game? I haven't yeah. seen it in action but i've, I've where so someone has has recreated the pain of buying amiibo in warioware diy you know if, if you don't know what that game is it's like a warioware game where you make all the micro games yourself and basically what the micro game is is you just keep having to tap a, an f5 button to refresh the page until the order button shows up on the computer screen and then you have to do that really really fast or else or else they go out of stock and you lose. And uh, it's just so funny and it's just so painfully accurate. <laughs> you know, speaking of as far as like fun, funny fan stuff goes, did either of you guys see that uh, music mashup that someone did of Eno Uta from Pikmin with Smash Mouth? No, I didn't watch it. Is that any I'm good? Pulling it up. It's right now. surprisingly good. It's hilarious and uncomfortable and it's weird how well it works like creepy they they like slow down it's all-star by smash mouth the one that everyone knows from shrek yeah, it's a little creepy yeah it's like <laughs> slowed down and it sounds like because eno uda is a love song it literally means love song um but it's like slow down and we, it's just too it's just too wacky so the attack on titan game for 3ds uh it's called humanity in chains that launches on may 12th in north america so that's actually super soon so if you are looking forward to that you can go ahead and get your pre-orders in or just pick it up in the stores when it suits you it's coming to europe as well but there's no release date on that yet they had to uh go with the original japanese name because of trademark issues and i guess it's taking them a little while longer to get it released though. Uh, i see so if you guys uh are following the series Smashified. We've talked about this series on the podcast before. In fact, our second episode had its creator as a guest uh, on our show. But they recently put out their latest character, which is King K. Rule. And that looks just so awesome. The scales are really nice. They got the eye tick perfect. So if you want to see what King K. Rule will look like when he inevitably becomes Smash Bros. DLC. <laughs> you you can uh, go ahead and check that out. I'm just going to let you, you know, wallow in your insanity. That's okay. <laughs> you will be eating your words in due time, my friend. Eh. It's kind of a win-win because I'd be happy if he was DLC. So if I have to swallow my pride, I, I guess I can handle it. Good thing, because he's going to be DLC. Also, you have no pride. It's true. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our news segment for this week. Head, stay tuned after the break because we are going to talk about our favorite Nintendo characters.
Alright, hello everybody! We are back with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac. And as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. I'm the best Nintendo character. And Ben LeMoreau. Soon to be a major motion picture. <laughs> uh, so we are going to talk about our favorite Nintendo characters this week. Always a good, always a good time talking about uh, the best of the best. So I don't know if, if any of you guys want to start, if you have good ideas for how to start, because I... I just have my list, and I'm thinking, you know, we can throw it I out. I can start by throwing out a favorite Nintendo character that will probably get me glared at by most of you, but Uh-oh. I'm going to go with Ganondorf for my favorite. Okay. No, that's... That's right. I'm, I'm going with the villain. That's a... No, that's a good choice. Go with the ginger. <laughs> you know, that's not, not why I was going for it, Alex. It's not always about the gingers. No, no it's not always about me It's at all. rarely about the gingers. So... Uh, I like Ganondorf just because, obviously, Zelda is one of my favorite franchises, probably my, my overall favorite franchise, and I've been playing it ever since I was a little kid, so I've enjoyed seeing his character progress and just get fleshed out from game to game. Um, you know, back in the original on NES and, you know, the, the sequel, Adventure of Link, he was just kind of this pig monster demon beast yeah. who wanted to, you know, kill everyone, and there wasn't much story to yeah, it. Yeah, he was because... just kind of like a generic big ol' end boss guy. Right, Exactly. But, you know, with the Link to the Past, they started to flesh him out a little more. He kind of had, like, a grand master plan, and he, like, manipulated people. Yeah, Dragmar. Totally canon. (laughs) But, yeah, and they they fleshed out his backstory, you know, gave him, like, a a human side and everything. So then it was cool, you know, progressing on to Ocarina of Time to actually get to see that story played out. To see him as, you know, Ganondorf, the King of Thieves, and his, 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 like, transformation into the Demon King, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I think where it really gets interesting, then, is because of... You know, time travel bullcrap. Woohoo. Uh, Ocarina of Time has two endings, which results in two separate timelines. And you get to see that same Ganondorf in two alternate versions of history develop very different personality traits just because of, you know, his environments and the, you know, the, the stories he goes through. Like mm-hmm. on, uh, on the adult timeline, as they call it, you have Wind Waker. Dude, where the Wind Waker backstory for Ganondorf? That is so good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he has he like these some... amazing speeches at the end that made me like re- that's like some of the best writing Nintendo's ever done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's really dramatic and it gives his character a little more nuance. Yeah, he's absolutely. not just this, you know, horrible evil villain. Like at the end of Ocarina of Time, he's talking about how he wants to hunt down Link and Zelda's descendants and exterminate yeah, yeah. them. But then you see a completely different person in Wind Waker. Yeah, like you know, he, he actually reveals has real his motivations. Exactly. But then you, you look on the other timeline, Twilight Princess, where he didn't get sealed in the Sacred Realm, where instead, you know, they tried to execute him, and he survived because he was, you know, divinely granted the Triforce of Power. So his personality is completely different in Twilight Princess because he develops this just out-of-control god-complex ego because, you know, he survived being stabbed to death by the ancient sages, and he feels that he's been blessed by the gods with, you know, ultimate power. So it's just really cool to see how his character progresses on different timelines based on the events he encounters. And then with Skyward Sword, obviously you don't actually have Ganondorf himself, but they sort of, you know, dig even further into his backstory by creating this... uh, this sort of precursor to him, Demise, who was supposed to be, like, the embodiment of all evil. I thought that and, was kind of lame. Oh, well, you suck. <laughs> so, and when Demise is defeated, you know, he, he warns them that I'm gonna be reincarnated, and as long as, you know, there's a Link and a Zelda, there's gonna be an evil one challenging them as well. Right, right. You know my favorite thing about Ganondorf's backstory? What's that? How he was cloned from Captain Falcon. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Yes, because of course all characters begin and end with Smash Brothers. 
Anyway, um, good start. Good start. Ganondorf is a great choice. I, I'm surprised I didn't think that. That's because yeah, you're dumb. It's, it's an offbeat pick, but I, I agree. Like he's, he is the, one of the deeper characters in the Zelda series, in particular when you look at the Zelda timeline. Uh, I'd love to see them flesh out the King of Thieves element because we yeah. sort of only got references to it in Ocarina of Time. He had already moved beyond being the King of Thieves to right. wanting to be a Demon King. Uh, it'd be nice to see more of that. Yeah, for sure. Backstory. So I've got a pretty good, uh, you know, going, just leapfrogging off of that. One of my favorites by far is Girahim. Um, Girahim from Skyward Sword, I just thought was a great villain. They so take, fabulous. He's so fabulous. They take all of the, like, wacky sort of really offbeat um, insanity, psychopathy of Zant. Um, mm-hmm. And they put it into a character that I feel like is actually well-designed. And, like, actually has a good plot. And which, has some class. <laughs> right. Neither of which <laughs> I think Zant has or does. Um, so I thought it was, it, he was this great character who was just a lot, you know, every time that Garahim showed up in a scene, he really stole the show. Loved Garahim. You know, my favorite line from any Zelda game is when he says, my heart was filled with rainbows. <laughs> I, I don't even remember him saying that. That's amazing. Yeah, he, he's talking about how uh, the the time portal got destroyed and how it made him so upset. And then he's like, but then I discovered there was a second time portal and my heart was filled with rainbows. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, I just love Girahim. I really hope um, he shows up in future Zelda games because I feel like Zelda has done so many times this this plot of like ganondorf has this henchman who like wants to be his own villain but then ganondorf just like kind of stabs him in the back and then is the main villain and i feel like you know, you know they've had aganim zant girahim vati in one of the games that vati was in four swords adventures that's it so they've just done that kind of thing with ganon so many times that i hope they'd act i i want them to like actually solidify it as a not necessarily a trope, but just a recurring story element that he has an actual henchman who isn't like a villain that Ganondorf piggybacks, but like just an actual servant to Ganon, like Girahim was to Demise in Skyward Sword. And I hope that if they do that, they do it with Girahim. You know, I could see Girahim being more autonomous and and detached from Ganon uh, in the sense that, you know, he really is loyal to Demise. Uh, I mean, I Ganondorf can see that is sort too. of a demise replacement, but he's not, he's certainly not the origin of all evil. I mean, I could see that too from like a lore perspective, but I mean, yeah. I think from the perspective of like having a fleshed out and really strong Zelda cast, I think that having Girahim as Ganondorf's henchman, like in a recurring role uh, would be a really good way. Cause I, I think, I think it's time that Zelda stops doing these one-off villains. I think it's time that Ganondorf actually does take the role as like the main villain. Cause, cause there are only two games where he does that. And that's Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker and all the others where he appears, he appears either more than halfway through or just at the very end. And it's just poorly written. It's just, it does. It, it's a, for it's so a many reasons, played out trope work. at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I wish they would they would do something more with that. And I think, like I said, Garahim's the perfect choice uh, for that. Just such a great character. It's one that I think a lot of people really love, and I want to see back for sure. He was on my honorable mentions for this discussion. Good. Okay. <laughs> I really wanted him in Smash Bros., but oh, that didn't happen. No rainbows for you. No rainbows <laughs> in my heart. I've got Cafe from Majora's Mask. Okay. Mm. Um. He's a really unique character with a unique story, uh, unlike most of the NPCs that you see in the series where they kind of have this pretty flat backstory, uh, character development, character 
Uh, he also has one of my favorite character designs in the series. I like the whole purple aesthetic. I like mm-hmm. his long, shaggy hair. I like how he has red eyes for apparently no reason. Um, I love his clothing. Uh, I like the fact that he wears the Keaton mask like a badass. Um, <laughs> he has. It seems like they put a lot more effort into his character model than almost anyone else in the game. Well, I mean, everyone else in the game was just taken from Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Well, it was actually made. Well, it's funny actually. His his character model is actually based on Link's character model to the point that they borrowed a lot of his animations from Link. Uh, and you can tell this because he is the only NPC in the game where he can be affected by things like uh, that dog in Clocktown. If he attacks you in your nearby cafe, it will also affect cafe. Or if you drop a bomb nearby him, it will actually affect him. He will hmm. sort of wince like Link winces. Well, and you can draw a parallel there just because, you know, he was transformed by Skull Kid from an adult to a child, and Link has already grown up and become adult and then gone back in time to relive his childhood. So there's that connection between them as well. Yeah, that actually gets into one of the other things I was going to say, which is uh, that story of him getting turned into a child underlines kind of one of the themes of Majora's Mask, which is that uh, we're really kind of powerless to alter fate and the ravages of time, except for characters like Link uh, who are only able to do it because they can go outside of time. Uh, so, you know, if you look closely at the story and what the characters are able to do within a story, uh, Link is only able to save Termina because he can, you know, rewind time with his knowledge of the future. But the other characters besides Link, on, the only characters who really demonstrate any agency are the children. All the adults either die in the process of trying to change their <laughs> fate or they turn into monsters like Pamela's father. Uh so it's a, it's a cool thematic device that ties back to sort of Majora's Mask's place in the timeline where Majora's Mask only happens because Link goes back to his childhood with the knowledge of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I thought that was really cool. And Cafe, you know, is the only character in Majora's Mask who isn't a child at the start of the game. He turns into a child uh, because of Skull Kid's curse. Good choice. Interesting. Yeah, he's one of my favorites as well. Well, to to wrap, I don't know if you guys have any other Zelda characters. I had to, I had about. to just pick one. So okay, well, I was just, I want to give a special shout out to Tingle because he is my man. But even more of a special shout out to Groose. Yes, because he's my double man. Yes, Groose would have been my other pick. Groose uh, is so fantastic, and unlike Giriham, I don't think they can bring back Groose and like keep him the way he was and like make him work with the rest of the Zelda cast and like do a fun thing again it, it's kind of funny because when At i first saw groose and i first heard of skyward sword's place in the timeline and i first heard inklings that they'd be explaining ganondorf's backstory i was thinking almost maybe that groose would somehow be co-opted into becoming the main villain of the game yeah i was kind of thinking that when i was playing skyward sword and then you know because of the red hair and the yellow eyes maybe yeah. he becomes an ancestor to the gerudo right but and maybe they'll do that in some kind of sequel the but... grusto Yes, the Groose Rudo. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just wanted to give a, give a shout out to him because he makes Skyward Sword worth playing. <laughs> I mean, it takes place in Groose Land, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Legend clear, of Groose. I, Skyward Sword is already worth playing, but I mean, for Groose alone, it would be worth playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, ben, Ben's comment made me think do we think they should make a Groose spinoff, The Legend of Groose? Honestly, I, I mean, not like an actual Legend of Groose thing. It has to be think like. They a, should, it had I mean, to be like a tingle game sort of thing. He spin-off. should be in Hyrule Warriors too, like oh, without God, question. Yes. Um, but also, I mean, I think they should do something with Groose. Uh, not necessarily a whole adventure game, but you know, they have like Tingle's Rosie Rupee Land. Live action movie. Something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Or they uh, could actually make a full-on uh, 90s high school sitcom version of Skyward Sword. <laughs> Woodwatch. <laughs> so some of my next choices, and I'm just going to give like a couple, just, you know, a quick shout out to a couple of these guys because they are awesome. Fawful from Mario and Luigi, Superstar Saga. Hilarious lines, just amazing dialogue all around. Uh, he's actually, he's in the other Mario and Luigi games, but Superstar Saga, I think, is really the epitome of his writing. You've reminded me that I need to play that game again. I have it in my Wii U oh, and I so just good. haven't gotten to it so, yet. So, so good. Uh, and Professor Egad. I've loved yeah. him since he showed up in Luigi's Mansion. And every game he shows up in, I'm just like so happy. They just, they nail his character. He's just so much fun. He's in Superstar Saga. He's in Partners in Time. Um, actually, they also have young Egad in Partners in Time, which is pretty cool. And I'm also, I'm just surprised that he's not in more stuff at this point. They kind of, I feel like, forgot about him. Because he's yeah, not in, like, Mario Kart. He's not in Mario he's, Kart. He's, he's not, not in Mario Party. He's right. not in Mario Sports games, I don't think. Which also just gets to the point that Mario Kart, Mario Party, and Mario Sports games have terrible character rosters. Yeah, especially lately. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's for another day. But you need, like, baby golden chrome dry bones peach. <laughs> dry peach. <laughs> dry peach. That sounds Ugh. disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, so another one on my list is Lance from the Pokemon games. Not okay. Youngster Joey? Yeah, I do love me some <laughs> Youngster Joey in all his various incarnations. But, uh, no, well, Lance, I like shorts. Just, they're comfy and easy to wear. <laughs> I hate them. They're itchy as hell and my crotch can hardly breathe. <laughs> so, uh, well, I always like Lance just when I was like a little kid playing Gen 1 because, well, he has dragons and that's just bad. <laughs> But um, aside from that, I thought it was really cool in Gen 2 when he's the champion of the Elite Four, but he actually also actively helps you in, like, taking on Team Rocket. Like, you know, he helps you go into, like, some of the dungeon-y type areas, and at one point he even, like, calls his Dragonite out of his Pokeball and, like, threatens to have it hyperbeam a Team Rocket grunt, which is just freaking awesome. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool to have like a, a league champion that like, you know, helps you take on Team Rocket. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. With dragon murder. With <laughs> dragon murder. Also, he has like a level like 47 Dragonite, which is just some magic right there. <laughs> he obviously used he has three Dragonites. <laughs> Hack. So I guess I'll do my next one. Yeah, go for it. Uh, my next pick is Villager. From Ooh. Super Smash Bros. 4 and maybe some Animal Crossing game, too. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my love for Villager really did start with the Smash 4 reveal and the, the whole serial killer meme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Villager and Wii Fit Trainer 2 actually are on my list as, like, you know, special shout-out characters. Cause, yeah. Just because of how the culture around Smash Bros. turned them into actual characters rather yeah. than... Uh, you know, just these weird avatar things. And and I think one of my favorite things about the serial killer meme is it's totally justified by his moveset in Smash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, Timber might be my favorite move in, like, any game ever. Because, you know, it starts off, oh, I'm going to plant a tree. Uh, I'm going to water a tree. Uh, I'm going to cut it down and murder you. Um, <laughs> like, I just see that and I think, like, man, this guy, this guy gets but me. But then there's all... <laughs> um... But then there's also the moves with, like, the shovel and, like, the bowling ball and stuff. And the, it's, and like, actually... Yeah. yeah. The pocket move is great. It's, like, hilarious. Samus's charge beam, like, he's like, no, I think I'm just going to take this. <laughs> it's just yeah. so nuts, like, what 
crazy kind of stuff he can do. And like, but for all the jokes people make about Villager being a serial killer, let's talk about Ness for a second because that game starts and you immediately go outside <laughs> and kill all the neighborhood dogs with a baseball bat. Yeah, no that kidding. That just sounds like real life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and the sad thing is, like, who is that game targeted at? It it's targeted at kids that are Ness's age. Like, Maybe that's why. They like, I, so after seeing that game, uh, or even before seeing that game, I, I always thought it'd be cool to have an RPG where it's literally just deranged kids going out and causing mischief around town. <laughs> and then I see, you know, this is actually a thing. But I guess getting back to Villager for a second, like one of my favorite things to do now. Uh, going back and playing New Leaf after, you know, playing Smash Bros is just going around and being a complete jerk to people in Animal Crossing because it's one of those games where you can do that and, it, you know, it'll have an impact on what happens next, but it won't completely, like, kill your game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something you can do in most Nintendo games. Usually if you make a choice, you're stuck with it for, you know, you cut off a quest or something or it you can just talk to them again and pick the other option. But in Animal Crossing, no, you you blow somebody off you blow somebody off (laughs) well i guess if if we're gonna stick with small characters with giant heads i gotta give a shout out to well toad for one because he's super cute and awesome and and the best character from super mario brothers 2 in 3d world absolutely i know i I played 3d world all the way as toad toad in a cat suit is one of the cutest things that has happened yeah if you're giving a shout out to toad then obviously i have to once again reaffirm my love for captain toad Yes, of ben, I knew ben you were going to say that. Toad. But my, who I was getting to here is Toadsworth. Ah, Toadsworth. Who I just love so much. Ever since the first moment I jumped on his head in Super Mario Sunshine and he went, wow! And you know, he's just funny. And the way he talks and I, I like Egad. I wish he were in more things because such a fun character that I feel like has been kind of Well, scared. yeah, I mean, you look at the, the core Mario series, and it seems like they've stripped out all these, like, supporting world-building sorts of characters. Uh, In favor of Queen Bee. Yeah. Or Honey Queen or whatever. Which, Ugh. I mean, those characters would be fine if they were really being used for world-building. But they're Well, in the case of Sticker of, like, Star, they stripped out all the cool characters and replaced them with, you know, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it sounds like that's a Miyamoto initiative to... Mario doesn't need characters and just needs mechanics. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Toadsworth is great and represents that time when characters were important, even in Mario games. I guess quick shout out also to another tiny character with a giant head is Olimar. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think it, but Olimar has actually an insanely rich backstory and like a really well fleshed out character. If you read all the travelogues and stuff in the original Pikmin, like... He goes through some serious stuff. He's just really well written. He's seen written some and like, things. There's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just like a real story there that you wouldn't expect to find in Pikmin, but you and do. And it's cool and to see how that shapes the f- the uh, sequels, uh, in particular yeah. three, where you see this dramatic contrast between him and Louis. Uh, where Louis is this kind of troublemaker. I'm having and, trouble remembering what you. Well, Louis, Louis is this troublemaker, oh, but like, Olimar seems to have actually stuff. learned. Spoilers. Olimar seems to have actually learned something from the previous games. Yeah, I think I, said, I think I know what you're getting yeah. at. Um, I don't remember it as vividly as you do, but yeah, it sounds like somebody needs to play Pikmin three again. I know. I it's such a good game. I need to replay it. So ben. another shout out I have is um, Luigi. Yeah, now, I'm not as crazy good about call. him as some good people call. is. R is R, um, but 
I've always played as Luigi in Mario Kart. Like ever since I was a little kid, Luigi's I can verify just my this default fact. racer. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, Mario Party as well. So I was just thrilled as heck when the Luigi Death Stare became a thing in Mario <laughs> Kart Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that Death Stare is good. Yeah. Man, good what is it Luigi's with the the cool memes guy. lately and the, the the killer Nintendo characters? <laughs> Nintendo's awesome at making characters, and the internet is awesome at making things into memes, and that just goes super well together. Anything else about Luigi? So I've always found his quirkiness <laughs> to be... You know what's really interesting about Luigi? Hmm. Super Smash Bros. was actually the first time that he had any sort of personality. Yeah, that is they, true. They, like, in the original one, they made him, like, shy and, like, bashful and kind of kind of humble, too. And that was the first time that he was anything but Green Mario. Yeah. Which I think was really clever of Sakurai and kind of opened up the rest of Nintendo's mind to think like, hey, maybe we can make Luigi like actually a different character, which I think probably partially helped lead to like Luigi's Mansion and the general and much more obvious differences between who Luigi is and who Mario is now. Because back in, you know, 2000, Luigi really was just green Mario, but their characters actually have different personalities now, which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my next one is uh, Cranky Kong from Donkey Kong Country. Oh, good choice. I was going to also mentioned cranky kong and the whole kong family actually yeah but cranky my, kong my, in particular my reasons for cranky kong are less his insane personality and his <laughs> uh hysterical move sets in tropical freeze but in more the fact that i am cranky kong i have no <laughs> respect for those spoiled kids these days who don't know what real video games are um we only had one button and a joystick yeah um i love the picture that's floating around the internet that's uh, Cranky's advice from the Donkey Kong Country instruction manual. For those of you listening who don't know, because I'm sure there are a lot of you, um, in the original manual for Donkey Kong Country on Super Nintendo, every page would have a graphic of Cranky Kong like ripping th- a hole through the piece of paper and popping out to say something like something g- critical of like modern video games. And this was and, on uh, SNES, mind yeah, you. Yeah, right. They were saying like, oh, like all these fancy schmancy 3D graphics. <laughs> Yeah, But anyway, um, someone changed one of Cranky's advice things to just say, get good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I play Mario Mario games and I'm, I'm very sad because I don't feel like I, I have to be good to beat them. Whereas before, beating Mario games was an accomplishment. Right. Unless you use Warp Zone. But even then, you had to beat World 8-4, which sucked. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cranky Kong's so great. And I love the way they fleshed him out in Tropical Freeze, too, with all the martial arts and stuff. And yeah. just, he, he's such a wacko. I yeah. love it. Love it. He's yeah. like a great, crazy old guy. Um, yeah, and, and, it, and it's good that they picked the right franchise for him to be in uh, Donkey Kong Country because that was their breakout, their first real breakout video game. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, it's interesting that you mentioned Luigi because my all time favorite Nintendo character, as I'm sure you will all be shocked to hear, is Waluigi. Wah! Waluigi I had as a character for this, but it's gone. is humankind's greatest accomplishment. <laughs> Drops Mike. Healy's off into the sense. <laughs> You're not going to go into your litany of game ideas for Waluigi? Oh, I have a million of them, but we would need to devote another hour and a half podcast to that. Yeah, no, Waluigi underutilized because uh, he really only appears in the spinoffs. He really is. Well, what uh, I love so much about Waluigi is like he's a parody of himself. A lot of people think that Waluigi just has, like, no character because he's just stupid, like, trash. He's, like, an anti-hero version of Mario's lesser self when they already made an anti-hero version of Mario. And, like, it's just, it's all these weird things that just make Waluigi, like, basically useless. But the thing about Waluigi is 
Nintendo, when they're animating him and characterizing him and everything, they know that. They know he's like the worst idea ever. And they play that up so much and it's so like snarky and fun and they make him just so ridiculously nutty and obnoxious and just so much fun. Well, even his um, character design, it's like, who thought of this? Who, who greenlit right? this idea? Right? Like he's completely but, lanky, doesn't match the proportions of any other Mario character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's part of why I love him so much is because yeah. he just is so, I mean. He's kind of like the Mario equivalent of Deadpool where he's just so intentionally over the top is just like a parody of over the top characters. Right. No, absolutely. And like almost all he ever says is, wow. <laughs> like there's there's a reason for that. They're not yeah. just doing that because they're bad at writing Waluigi. They're doing that because they know he's terrible. And <laughs> the more he says, wow, the funnier it gets. So I love Waluigi. I think he's just so much fun. He's he's lanky and ugly and better than Wario in every way because specifically because <laughs> they're trying to make him absurd. Whereas Wario is like he was originally the anti Mario, right? And he's I mean he's kind of he's like he's gross and unappealing to an extent that he's like an actual character. Waluigi yeah. is gross and unappealing to the extent that he's a caricature. Yeah. And that, I think, makes all the difference is why I love Waluigi so, so much. Especially that crotch chop in Mario Strikers. <laughs> so funny. When when Waluigi makes it into Smash Bros. 5 or 6 or whatever, that better be a taunt. Signature move. <laughs> well, I'm going to give a couple, uh, couple more shout-outs to anyone from the Mother series, basically, because they're all just funny and quirky, really well-written. Um, and that goes for... Anyone, even like the ghosts in Mother 3 and like the like talking dog or whatever in Earthbound. I don't know. Just so much great writing and fun characterization in that series. But uh, even more so is found in Punch-Out. Every character really? in Punch-Out. Yeah. Have you? I guess I need to play the Wii version. Well, not just the Wii. I mean, the, the Wii version definitely took it to the next level. The old one was a lot more racist. Um, the new yeah. one, a lot more overtly racist. <laughs> well, right. The new one is kind of, there's actually a great video I saw, um, about how the new one is actually like, it's a playful, but genuine representation of different races rather than like just racism. Probably because yeah, they actually, -aware. well, right. Cause they actually like in the new one, they actually put the effort into, um, make well, like, okay. So, uh, Piston Honda or Piston Hondo, whichever one it originally was, and then they corrected. But he, in the original one, originally just said, like, Nagasaki Godzilla or something as, like, his, <laughs> his like, fight quote. And, but in the new one, they actually, like, make cohesive, like, Japanese sentences and things that actually make sense. And actually putting the effort into learning the cultures that these characters come from and making real stories based around those cultures and their, like, introductory sequences all do these things. So it's, it's, it's definitely caricaturized, but it's it's more uh, earnest about like the cultural backgrounds. I love fighting them. I love playing Punch Out because the cast is just so vibrant and diverse, for lack of a better word. <laughs> well, now I'm regretting not buying it when it was ten dollars. Yeah, yeah, Man. you should have. Uh, so if, if neither of you guys have anyone left, I want to just put out there Mewtwo, because Mewtwo, yeah. really classic Pokemon. I think one of, the, one of my favorites. Back in the sure. day when he was new, I would have said Mewtwo. But now I feel like Mewtwo's just so played out. Really? Well, I still like I Mewtwo. Know. Yeah, I still love Mewtwo. You're outnumbered, Alex. I don't know. Mewtwo's just always been one of my favorite Pokemon, because he's like the classic legendary, the original battle. And he has a great story. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
<laughs> they made like a separate Pokemon movie that was a prequel to Mewtwo Returns or Mewtwo Strikes Back or whichever one. Oh, that's first. right. Because um, the first Mewtwo movie is called Mewtwo Strikes Back. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> but they like made a like backstory for him and he was like a little girl's like pet or something. It was weird. No, that's not how it happened. I don't know how it happened. I said or oh, something. Well, what it happened is uh, the scientist who cloned Mewtwo he got, like, funding from Giovanni or whatever to try to create the ultimate Pokemon because, in, in exchange, he'd receive funding to try to clone his dead daughter. And so he had, like, all these, like, Pokemon clones going in, like, tanks or whatever. And, like, this clone of his daughter. And the clone of Mew, which would grow up to become Mewtwo, you know, obviously, but originally it looked more like Mew. It looked, like, kind of halfway between Mew and Mewtwo. It was psychically talking to the clone of his daughter in, like, the other tank. And they, like, became friends and stuff. And then the girl dies, and Mewtwo just kind of, like, oh, no. freaks out and oh, blows no. up the lab. Uh, yeah. That, that's the anime, though. Not not canon in the Pokemon game. I mean, the girl's not canon, but everything else seems pretty accurate. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know my Mewtwo history well enough to continue this discussion. You just can't like Mewtwo, then. You have to find out. I guess out. not. I, guess, find out I guess I'll remove him from my favorite. No Mewtwo cred list. for you. <laughs> anyway uh so is that uh those are final thoughts yeah i'm good sure all right well that wraps up our discussion on our favorite nintendo characters so everybody thank you so much for listening this is the endo nintendo week for today if you like this podcast please subscribe to us on itunes or subscribe to us on youtube at gamnesia tv for bite-sized discussions from this show and of course please head to itunes to leave us a review it really helps with visibility it helps us know uh you know what what you guys like what you want to see more of uh so that's really very much appreciated if you could take some time to do that we've been getting uh some great feedback so thank you guys to all of you who have already uh, reviewed the show if you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff you can head to gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens we have sony microsoft indie you name it and even nintendo news that we didn't have time to discuss. well this week we discussed literally everything <laughs> but, but usually usually there's more nintendo week that we didn't have time to talk about and if you have questions or feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to colin at gamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-I-N at gamnesia.com. So thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you have another great week. I accidentally deleted the blooper by mistake, so uh, here's a here's a better one. <laughs> Puns.